to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer a heretic. I'm your host, Matthew J. DiStefano, and for the next hour, I'll be your Sherpa to nowhere in particular. Nowhere in particular. Hey, what's good, y'all? Hope you're having a good day. Hope you had a good Christmas, if that's what you celebrate. Uh, it is the end of 2020. Now, before anyone says, could it get any worse? Yeah, don't, don't fuck with the, the universe like that. 2020 could get worse. I mean, 2021. It could, it could get worse. Let's hope it gets better, though, for most people. So, don't. To quote Michael Scott, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. So don't don't be don't be fucking with the universe like that. Don't ask those questions because yes, it could get worse. We need to make it better, get better than 2020. So speaking of getting better, we're gonna get this show even better. We are going to have on our uh, our first open atheist, and um, you know we're gonna try to convert his soul. We're gonna try to uh, try to bring him around to Jesus so that he doesn't burn in hell forever. No, that's not what we're gonna do. I'm just fucking with y'all. This is Apostates Anonymous. I don't care if you're an atheist or a theist. The question is: Are you kind and compassionate, or are you a, a you know a, a selfish cunt? That's <laughs> that's the main question we're asking. Um, and, and, uh, the friendly atheist, Hemet Meta is not one of those things. He is kind, compassionate, and, um, honestly, like, ha- this conversation that we, uh, are, we're gonna have, we're gonna have, we already had, let's just be honest, I record the conversations and I do it in post, and I make it seem like it's seamless. A little peek behind the veil, I already talked to him, but we're gonna talk to him in a couple of minutes. Amazing technology that we have here on Apostates Anonymous. I'm just going to tell you, the friendly atheist is a perfect name for Hemet Meta because he is friendly, he's cordial, he uh, he puts many Christians to shame. So um, convert to atheists uh, or atheism, you heathens, um, and 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 he'll be your guy. Now I'm just playing around. We have a great conversation with him coming up. Really interesting things to talk about. Really interesting to that we both kind of experience the same from certain Christians, both being on Pathos and kind of have the same trolls and all that. So it's it's going to be a fascinating one coming up today. Um, just a word before we get into that. Please, if you have the means and the desire and you want to support content creators but you don't know how, I've made it easy for you. Patreon.com slash MJDistefano. I've got a tier on that for a dollar a month. If you have even a dollar a month to spare, it goes a long ways in helping me produce this show and produce other content. So again, the link will be in the show notes. All you got to do is click there, sign up, put in your credit card information, and you'll be billed $1 a month. You can do this. I know you can. So I appreciate all those who do. Go the extra mile to do that for me. Um, Huge shout out to them. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's give the friendly atheist a friendly phone call. Hello. Hey, Hemet. This is Matt Distefano. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. I uh, I was just on a bike ride and I got a fly in my eye, so I'm oh, struggling no. through that. But <laughs> I'm that doing sucks. okay. How is um How is your weekend going? It is okay. It's a mix of kids at home and trying to make the most of time. But yeah, what is time these days anyway? Well, um, yeah, I guess time is all relative and sort of an illusion, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the days just blend together now. So it's like, oh, it's the weekend. Well, so was the other days, which is both good and bad. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, I appreciate you um, giving me some of your time. I guess the first question I have for you today, um, be prepared to put your thinking cap on. Okay. Um you are a um, kind of a, a renowned atheist. The banana, your thoughts? <laughs> scared, so scared. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know, I'm referencing Ray Comfort. I think that is the, one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. It is I'm assuming that, you've seen it. Yeah, I, I'm surprised at how long that thing has, um, how long that virality has lasted because it comes up every now and then. Because it's just so absurd. The whole video is just uh, Ray Comfort explaining to Kirk Cameron on their old show that the banana somehow proves the existence of God. And he goes through a bunch of silly reasons for that. Like, look, it bends towards your face. And it's like, well, you could just <laughs> hold it the other way, you know. Um, and it goes on like that for a while. And, like, it's easy to point out the problems with what he's saying. It's it's not just a bad argument. It's like <laughs> what you would give to students in some atheism 101 class if you were saying what's wrong with these arguments because it's that easy to debunk. And yet it's like, look, you can tell from the video they think this is a checkmate. They think they are getting atheists with this. And I have spoken, <laughs> I have spoken with Ray about this. I think he's kind of at the point now He's kind of one of those people that's been living in a meme for many years where he's like, look, I get why atheists think it's silly. I agree with you that maybe it's not the strongest argument, uh, but I embrace I he, I think he appreciates the fact that it goes viral all the time. And he, <laughs> he kind of sees the humor in it, but it doesn't mean he's stopped making similarly bad arguments. True. Um, what's interesting to me is that, and I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, so I want to get them, but I have found that the argument for God or for or against God, at least in my experience, doesn't necessarily matter. And, and why I say that is because you and I are both on Pathios. Yeah. You write, you write from an atheist lens, I believe in something that we might be able to call God. Mm-hmm. However, however... It seems that we have the same trolls, or at least similar <laughs> trolls, and they're just as angry at you as they are with me. And so, to my mind, it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not, because you have to believe in the right God. Otherwise, there will be hell to pay. You and I, my friend, are going to the same place. Right. I mean, it's a matter of just putting your thoughts online. You expect there to be pushback. I mean, I've been lucky that sometimes the feedback is usefully critical. Like it's okay. When I get that, it's like, I have changed my mind on plenty of things over time, but you're right. Like there are some people who just insist they live in a different reality. They don't care 
what evidence you provide, they're not interested, it's not really a fair discussion, or it's not really an interesting discussion to me, which is why I try my best not to engage. Uh, certainly, yeah. certainly not on my website where I get the bulk of comments, but I allow other people to discuss it because some people really enjoy that. But I'll be honest with you, I rarely look at the comments on my own site. Well, I mean, you have someone who moderates for you, right? No. <laughs> oh, you don't? No. You just let them all go? They all go on there? I, I see. I have to moderate my own. They all go on there. The Now, I'll, I'll provide a caveat to that. One is there are a handful of longtime commenters who, if they see something that is clearly uh, crossing a line, they'll bring it to my attention so I could ban the person. Um, and those are for obvious reasons, not just spam, but they're using slurs. They are just attacking people as opposed to discussing ideas. So they'll bring that to my attention and I'll do my due diligence there. Um, and also there are like a, a list of some I think obvious words that if you mention them, it'll probably get flagged and go into a spam folder. Sure. But other than that, for the most part, no, I, I really don't read them. No one moderates it. But I there's a one strike and you're out. Like if I get bothered enough that someone is emailing me about you, it is just easier to just get rid of you. I don't think twice yeah. about that. Like I don't need to waste time thinking about that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, do you have any uh, faith background at all? Or were you kind of, uh, were you born into, were your parents atheists? Or, or did you have like some sort of, I guess we can loosely call deconstruction out of a faith tradition? Yeah, my parents are religious. They were religious. I was raised religious. But the religion is Jainism, which is a smaller Indian religion. Yeah. So they sure. believe in karma and nonviolence, which is great. But yeah, also I love a lot of supernatural stuff. They believe in heaven and hell and karma and reincarnation. And so when I questioned religion, I'm questioning that stuff, which I think is interesting because I think a lot of religious people, Christians certainly, they hear that and they're like, oh yeah, I kind of get why you would question that stuff. And really all I'm doing is I'm like, yeah, well now go like a step further. It's the same deal. So that's where I'm coming from. That's what I left, and I kind of made that leap from Jainism, which didn't make sense on the supernatural level, to atheism. And the only reason I kind of really got interested in Christianity as a thing to talk about or explore is more like, well, I know the culture we're living in. That's the religion that's dominant. That's what's influencing politics. I need to know more about that. I need to know how people worship. I need to know what's driving their motivations. So... If I talk about Christianity now, it's in that context. That's interesting um, because our culture is, regardless of, of where you land on on the question of God, our culture is so influenced by Christianity. Any culture in the West is. And um, we don't like it when you question us. We like it when you question Jainism because that's wrong, right? Right, right. <laughs> but when you when you come into our house, you start questioning our ideals and, and, and but it's like, well, hold on now. Isn't it in the Christian tradition? Isn't the whole prophetic tradition to critique your own? Right. To, to critique your own culture. That's how things do move forward, regardless of what you think about them. That's how they move from one place to another within the story of Judaism and then Christianity. And I think it's one reason that I have a good number, at least anecdotally, of Christian readers, 
because I I genuinely care a lot less these days about what someone believes and more attention to what they're doing with those beliefs. And if you're criticizing what some prominent Christians are doing through their faith, I think there's a lot of Christians who are like, I agree. Like, I don't like what that person is doing or how they're hurting people with it. And so I feel like that's a more useful focus. And I just honestly, I kind of tune out or shut off personally if people try to debate God's existence. It's not that it's not important. And I do, I know plenty of atheists who do debates about that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's an interesting topic. But in terms of what affects my life, it's kind of what people do with their faith, not the fact that they're religious. Yeah, oh, it, it, it's so. I, I when I announced that I was going to be talking to you, I had a lot of people. Most of my followers are um, people who believe in God of some sort, but I do have a lot of atheist friends as well um, who who do follow my stuff. Because what's interesting about, and I've I've said this about like mystics from the Christian tradition or the Buddhist tradition. I think they're closer in how they view things and how they behave than the Christian mystic like a Richard Rohr or a Francis of Assisi and the Westboro Baptist Church. And and I think the same would go for, for you and I. You said something, and, I, and I'll put it in theological terms. I don't care what your doctrines are. It's, it's orthopraxy. Mm-hmm. It's how you practice it over orthodoxy. And yes, our beliefs will influence how we act and how we behave and how we treat one another. But first and foremost, it comes down to, are you being good to one another? Are you being empathetic? Are you being compassionate? You know, let the, the, the debates with Hitchens and, and some of the theists are fun and everything, but they kind of seem secondary. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. And honestly, if I want to make a case for why people ought to consider atheism, honestly, it's it's probably the easiest thing to do to say, well, look at the most prominent religious people in the country right now, at least the ones that get a lot of airtime, the ones that appear on TV using their faith or wearing the mantle of faith. Look what they're doing. And if that doesn't convince you that religion is not a virtue, that it doesn't teach you to be a better person, or that it's just lazy and intellectually dishonest to say God makes you good. I mean, if nothing else, let's agree that plenty of religious people who get attention and who are influential are using their faith to just hurt as many people as possible. And if I can just point to that, and I feel like that's what I do on my website a lot. Let me just point to what these religious people are saying. I know they don't represent every Christian, but they represent that thought process. And if I can show that to you and why it's problematic, uh, that might drive people to atheism more than anything else. If that's going to be scary for a lot of people, I'm going to admit. But I, I am here to tell people I live as if I'm an atheist. I don't do things in my daily life because I feel like there is a God looking at me and he's going to get me if I don't. Mm-hmm. I simply try to do things for the sake of goodness. And people might say, oh, well, what is goodness? Whose goodness is it? And it's like, no, I mean, you, you know when something is good, when it's imbued with compassion and empathy for one another. You could take God out of the equation, I believe, at least that's my, that's my experience, and, and, and live as if God is, is not there. Right. And I think what I have found, and it's not just me, I think a lot of atheist organizations have fallen along the same line too, is that if you look at, let's say, progressive Christians 
Who are they closer to in terms of attitude, in terms of beliefs, even beliefs? Who are they closer to? Are they closer to conservative Christians or are they closer to atheists, uh, at least in the liberal progressive sense of atheists? I would argue those progressive Christians and the atheist groups have way more in common than the liberal progressive Christians have with conservative Christians. And for that reason, it has been really interesting to watch a lot of church-state separation groups, atheist groups, sign on to resolutions or proclamations or at least things of symbolic value or even amicus briefs that go to the Supreme Court with religious groups that are fighting for the same thing. And it's been fascinating to see just how quickly that has happened. I did not see that happening that often when I was when I was younger, when I was starting activism. It was kind of we're in this by ourselves and we're fighting everyone else. And now it's very much nope, it's us and these religious these progressive religious groups who are fighting against Christian nationalism and fighting against Mm. trying to tear down church-state separation. And it's like, you know what? This progressive Baptist group, fine, let's work with them because we both want the government to stay out of it or stop giving certain religions preferential treatment. We will have the debates on our own time. That is the, like you said, that's secondary. Right now, we are both fighting the same fight. Yeah, I think there's this whole movement of... um... I guess we'll say either post-Christian or liberal progressive Christian, where we've come to a place of, um, you know, like in, in the fundamentalist world, we we clinch our our doctrines and we hold them with such certainty. And, and many of us have gotten to a place where we're kind of, and, and you kill, you kill the, you kill your faith when you do that, because it's like a baby bird in your hand where mm-hmm. we, we're kind of holding it loosely now. And, um, you know, we've got this this uh, this thing in our hands, and and we've been wrong before. You know, we, maybe we've changed our our ideas on LGBTQ and you know what the Bible says and whether it's inerrant or not. And we've changed all these views, and now we realize our faith is not found in in white knuckled clinching. Yeah. It's found in holding things very loosely. And so I think that's one reason why. These uh, progressive or liberal or post-Christian groups can see what folks in, you know, atheist activists are doing and atheist activists can see what some of these Christians are doing and say, wait, yes, we can disagree on metaphysical things and all that. But at the end of the day, we kind of have the same goal in mind, which is, you know, equality, equity, um, you know, non-homophobia. Um, tearing down uh, tearing down systems of racism all those kind of things i've said this before but like there's if you want to talk about factors that led to this eh, relatively recent burst of non-religiosity uh in the country part of it sure it has to do with you know some of those new atheist books or that discussion that happened a decade or so ago but i think more of it has to do with the fact that people can now search online for questions they have, if they have religious doubts, they can look it up. They find resources that allow them to know they're not alone and helps them with that. But at the same time, I think another driving force in that is seeing like the Catholic Church scandals and seeing what the hypocrisy of religious leaders and seeing that what were the biggest faith-based fights we've had over the past 10, 20 years, it's a lot of the culture war issues. It's making sure gay people are hurt 
It is making sure trans people don't get to exist on paper or whatever, or that discrimination against them is allowed. I mean, if that's what they're pointing to as where their faith leads them, like no one is looking at, for example, Franklin Graham and saying this guy represents the best of Christianity. It's he's synonymous with bigotry. And if he's the guy that has the ear of the president and he's the guy that gets on TV all the time, like what does that say about the faith itself? And I, I, I'm sure for someone like you, it's unfair and frustrating when that's the guy people think of. But that is not a new thing. I mean, I, believe me, there are plenty of atheists, too, where it's like, oh, God, that's the person you think of. But like, I think that's especially true right now for Christianity, where the biggest names are just the worst people. Yeah, it, it is true, and it um, well, it's one of those things where I, I don't like, I don't think of the label Christian or anything like that. But I understand the people who do and who still say, "Well, I, I want to be a Christian because those people, the Grams and the John Pipers and people mm-hmm. like that, they don't get to take that identity away from me." I, I right. I'm, on, you know, I'm on the uh, Heretic Happy Hour podcast with two people who say that, and then there's two of us who are like. I don't use that label and I understand why you don't say I'm a Christian because then we have to have an asterisk and you have to say, Oh, but I'm not homophobic and I'm not this and that. Um, so, it, but it, it, it is tough. And, and a lot of people will say to me, Hey Matt, you got to stop focusing on these fringe people. And I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, that's... These are not fringe people. The right. Hagees and the Grams are not fringe. They're the most prominent ones. Absolutely. It is ridiculous to pretend that everyone who makes you look bad is on the fringe. Like they're yeah. not, they have multi-million dollar budgets. They have disproportionate airtime on television they are the people religion reporters go to when looking for comment on whatever issue they're talking about they are not on the fringe millions and millions of christians share their views support their ministries go to their churches like i want to know what that definition of fringe is then because it sounds like it's just people i don't like yeah it's a it's a um it's a convenient um sort of argument and i was just thinking about this today and it was um i think people think that because they stay in their little bubble mm-hmm. and they they go to their bible studies and they go to their sunday worships and they don't rock the boat and no one at the church rocks the boat and so they're always around like-minded people and most christians i'll be honest most christians are better than their theology i think most are decent people however i think when you live in that bubble you don't see the out side of that world Mm -hmm. and you don't see people like myself or like you or anyone who is having an alternate uh view about things alternate to whatever their reality is and so you don't see the pushback people get and the hate and the vitriol coming from probably more i i know most people who comment on things are complaining most people who like stuff don't necessarily give reviews all that but you see a lot of it when you step outside of that yeah yeah, I. it's frustrating to me when I really want to hear more progressive Christians speak out against it. I wish more prominent ones would just do the sort of thing I feel like I do. I feel like I call out bad behavior, and it's not just me. There are plenty of people who do it, but it's like there are very few Christian sources that are commenting on all the same stuff I'm commenting on. 
And it's like, come on, where are these groups? Where are these people? And it's always like the same couple individuals who speak out <laughs> against this stuff from who have the prominence that might be equivalent to some of the so to some of these conservative groups. And even when they're progressive, I'm thinking like Jim Wallace comes to mind, even they make such big missteps with some basic silly things that it's like, I can't rely on you all the time. Like, I can't point people to you and say, just follow this guy. He represents, you know, good faith. It's not like they're also usually anti-gay or anti-trans. And it's like, okay, well, then find me a better organization or a better person leading them. Um, it's almost it's almost comical to watch what the Southern Baptist Convention is going through right now because they're having a big fight about how we should deal with systemic racism. And even their most progressive leaders really aren't that progressive on these issues at all. And it's all—it's kind of funny to watch other Southern Baptists get mad at them because, you know, mild admissions that systemic racism is real pisses them off to the point where they're like, we're leaving completely. Yeah, it's interesting. I think what passes as liberal or progressive here in the States, I think would be fairly moderate, like in places like Europe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Say that one more time. I think I think what passes for progressive or liberal in the States... If that was transported to Europe, it would be more moderate. Oh, absolutely. I think um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat, said it really well, which was if she lived in like any, I'm paraphrasing, if she lived in any European country, her and someone like Joe Biden would be in completely different parties. It's only in the U.S. where we got to lump all of like moderate Democrats and, and progressive Democrats in the same group. Because Democrats have this broad coalition that makes it hard to get stuff done. But the flip side is you have Republicans who are almost monolithic in how extremely right wing they are. But same thing with religion. You're right. Like the progressive religious groups, the progressive atheists, progressive anything. We're pretty moderate as far as the rest of the world goes. Um, as as many progressives like to point out, there is not a, a conservative party and a liberal party. There's like a conservative party and like a center-right Democratic Party. There's really no progressive party. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's what I found. I, I I don't know. It's it's very interesting. We live in very interesting times. Now, answer this for me. Yeah. How uh, how often do you post on Pathos? Because I'm seeing something like multiple times a day. Are you just are you just out there like going crazy on this? Yes. Um. It's, it's I love it. Kind of where everything goes. That's kind of the bread and butter of everything I do. So even if I'm making like YouTube videos or something that are topical, it's usually based on something I spent more time writing. Well, just partly because it's a better way to collect my thoughts personally. And I've, sure. I've been doing it for so long that I can whip something out relatively quickly if it's a topic I'm familiar with. Um, and if it's something I want to think about, then writing it out first and then discussing it, whether it's on a podcast or YouTube, it's easier for me to do after I've done that. So yeah, there are a bunch of posts every day, some, most of which I write, some of which uh, there are some other writers who I work with. But um, yeah, it kind of feeds everything else I do. So I do definitely put a lot of time into that. Well, I, I appreciate what you're what you're doing. Um, and I know my listeners will. Um, I also appreciate the fact that you one time posted about the pillows that Heretic Happy Hour 
um, created with the trolling. I don't even know if you remember, you post so much. Uh, we, we, we made some awkward Bible, uh, Bible quotes and made them into like throw pillows. And you thought that I guess was Those are good fun. enough to good enough to share on your page. So thank you I, for that. I have found, I mean, this is something I found more on YouTube, um, than anything else, but I've been doing a YouTube series where I basically go through the book of Genesis and the whole print the the whole idea of it is, you know, so many Christians say, just read the Bible, then you'll believe, which is a dumb thing to say. And so I've been taking them at face value. Let's read through the book of Genesis line by line and discuss what's actually being said. Somewhat snarky, but somewhat like this is what it actually says. Let's talk about what's going on. And so much of it is so messed up. And so it's it's been amusing to just kind of go through it and watch people's reactions as they realize, oh, I don't remember learning that in Sunday school. Oh, no. The, uh, see, I have a love-hate relationship with the Bible. I, I love the book of Genesis, but it is incredibly violent. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually doing a, a book project that's been years in the making. I, I worked, I'm working with a, a, an artist. And so I've, I've, I've kind of interpreted the book of Genesis in a, in a very loose way, and he's doing art for it. And then, and then when I looked back on the manuscript, even before the color, I was like, oh, my God. Um, you're going to need a lot of red pens because there's a lot of blood in here. Yeah. <laughs> and if you take it at face value and you take the theology there rather than reading it as, you know, a polemic against ancient other myths and you don't uh-huh. see all that, you just take it literally, you are in for a rough ride. Yeah, you are. And it's been amusing just kind of watching people's reactions where a lot, I, I have read a lot more of the YouTube comments than I do on my own site. But on YouTube, one of the things I've been surprised to see is how many people said, I grew up in a church. I went to a church. I did Sunday school. I did all of that for so many years. And maybe they're not religious now, but their point is, I'd never remember even hearing about this stuff being in the Bible. Not to not to even mention it and say, here's why you shouldn't take it at face value. It's like no right. one told me what was in Genesis 38. And holy crap, it's messed up. <laughs> And and that's I mean, usually when me and you and other people talk about like debates about religion, the conversation, if Genesis is brought up, it's entirely on the first couple of chapters. And it's like, oh, no, do you know what else is in this book? So it's been fun yeah. kind of going through that and talking about it. And I mean, every time I cringe, every time I hear like some apologists talking, uh, justifying the Abraham and Isaac story, I'm just like, oh, God, here right. we go again. Trying, like, to, like, oh. trying to justify the unjustifiable and saying that we need to take the book literally, because if you do and you don't have whatever context some people want to throw in there, which is important, but without that context, it's like, oh, dear God, like this is some horrible stuff, even at the beginning, <laughs> even at the beginning, not even like when you get deep into it. Like you, if you read the first page, it's it's weird. <laughs> it is. The Bible is very weird. I will give you that. <laughs> it is very strange. And I I, I love what um, like I've listened to Richard, Richard Rohr talk about this. Uh, as a Franciscan, he studied philosophy for four years before going to the Bible. As Protestants, we were always told, just open your Bible, brother. 
Right. And it's like, no, 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 no. Halt the halt. Stop the train. It's going to go off the tracks real quick. It's one of the easiest ways I've found to troll politicians and right wing pastors on Twitter, which is whenever Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz or some right wing preacher just quotes a random Bible verse as if, I don't know, it proves some point they're trying to make. It's almost a little game to say, oh, you're quoting this book, this chapter, this verse. Let me go to that chapter right now because I'm almost positive I will find a disturbing verse within a few lines of the thing you just quoted. And it is so much fun to see how often that happens. And if I can do that really quickly, because it just shows they'd never read this stuff. They just take things out of context to prove whatever horrible thing they want to justify. My my favorite is Romans 13, which is about like submitting to the authorities. And I made a post about <laughs> like, like this, <laughs> this verse did not exist under Obama, but it, all of a sudden it came, it came right. back into biblical canon the minute Trump was elected. Right, right. It, and now it's back off again. It's back off. I would love to see someone do some sort of analysis, some board grad student somewhere where they talk about which Bible verses like politicians quoted during the Obama era and what they quoted during Trump. <laughs> yeah. That would be so much fun to see. It'd be a fantastic, interesting dissertation. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a way to do it. Like, you, there's got to be some code you could write that will just pull whatever tweets were made by like these politicians during both uh, terms or both uh, presidents, and just to see which ones they were quoting. And like, I wonder which ones they used this to both for both of them. I don't know. The hypocrisy would not be hard to point out. I'm sure. No, it's not. It's 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 uh, t- sometimes the. Um... It's stranger than fiction, right? The reality of it. Yeah. And actually, this is this is the thing that I think I've uh, that has helped me a lot. I always go into whenever a preacher talks these days or whenever a Republican says anything, especially when it comes to religious issues, I just assume they're lying or that they're hypocrites. And then the game is to figure out, well, can I prove it? And (laughs) so often it's it's not hard to find. It's not that I would just say, well, this person's lying. It's that, well, I got to be able to show that, but can I do it? And usually, yeah, you can, especially if they're quoting the Bible to justify whatever they're doing. Yeah, it's it's too easy, isn't it? Um, so I'm going to I'm going to stick everything in the show notes, but tell my listeners uh, what your website is, your YouTube channel, and uh, I'm sure people are going to want to subscribe if they haven't already. Sure. Uh, the website is friendlyatheist.com. That'll redirect to the Pathios site. YouTube, you could find me by searching friendly atheist and eh, yeah, just search the term. You'll find me. I'm I'm sure people will. Well, thank you um, for spending uh, half an hour with me. I I hope uh, you have a wonderful end of the end of the year, and um, uh, God bless the banana. I guess. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. All right. Peace. Well, thank you so much, Hemet. Um, I, I I think it's so cool that uh, there are people like you out there who are. Don't get offended now. Um, <laughs> doing faith better than people of faith. And what I mean by that is that they're living out of a place of having trust in the fact that what they do matters. And there is a point to what Hemet is doing. And I think it's fantastic that someone like himself and someone like myself can 
come together and have a conversation where we fundamentally disagree on the 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 basic principles of the universe in terms of God, if there's a creator, um, things like that, but then where we can agree on what is important and how to live your life, how to be inclusive of LGBT, how to address climate change, uh, things like that. And, and so, bravo, Hemet. Like I said in the interview, I kind of live my life as if there is no God as well. Like, I don't think about a God as a being. And so I just try to do good for goodness sake. I try to do things that are loving for the sake of love. And I think if that, I think that, I think God is those things. Like, we experience God. Um, how should I put it? When we experience goodness, when we experience love, and we don't need to like balance that with other attributes like wrath or vengeance and shit like that. Um, so I just, I just love that conversation. Listeners, I hope you liked that conversation as well. Um, shameless plug for Heretic Happy Hour. We had him on, uh, for an interview for Heretic Happy Hour as well. I don't know when that's going to drop, but, uh, sometime early 2021. Hopefully January, February, something like that. Um, so, uh, be on the lookout for that. And, uh, again, uh, check out his work, Friendly Atheist, YouTube, Pathios, um, all the regulars, right? So, anyway, I hope you all had a fantastic holiday season. It's the holiday season. And I hope. 2021 is better for the majority of us than it was in 2020. So I don't know if I have a resolution or not. If you do, live up to it. Grind. Do it. Do it big. Don't give up in February. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we have to talk about uh, next time. Uh, maybe I'll do a uh, hopes and dreams for 2021. Uh, let's hope for a peaceful transition to begin with and get your goddamn vaccine when it's available. So peace and love. Thank you for checking out the show. Tell your friends, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds. Um, there are way less reviews than there are listeners. So if that's one of you, please just take five minutes, not even five minutes, two minutes. Go over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Five stars would be fantastic. Um, it's super helpful, uh, for people who want to discover new podcasts. So thank you. See you next time. Oh, and exciting news. I got a blue Yeti. And for those who don't know what that is, it is a new microphone. So the next episode, I think is going to be sounding banging. So make sure you check that out. Bye. Bye.